0: Welcome back to the Injury Prone Fantasy Football Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Edwin Porras. I tend to think I'm not a douche, so please just call me Edwin. Today, we have an extremely, extremely, extremely um, special guest. His name's Graham Barfield. I'm sure you all have heard of him. He he needs no introduction, but he is a yards-created author, director of analytics at fantasypoints.com. He's one of my bosses at fantasypoints.com. He's at Graham Barfield. On Twitter, he was the winner of Best Hair in High School and College. <laughs> the first question everybody wants to know, Graham, is when will I be fired as a medical analyst at Fantasy Points? Uh,
1: yeah, so first and foremost, definitely not your boss. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I uh, don't ever want to be anybody's boss, frankly. Uh,
0: I just think, that's well, you a, are. So, I mean,
1: I mean, it doesn't matter if you like if it or you not. You're, get to you're brass, one of the owners, man. You're my if boss. You want to get to brass tacks, sure, on paper. <laughs> but by, by no means your boss, but um, I'm doing well, man. How are you? We, uh, we just had a nice like, you know, conversation about the world and our, our lives in it and uh, the madness that's going on and um, excited to talk some football now, though. Yeah, absolutely. And I think one of the things,
0: too, is that uh, we, we, Graham and I literally just talked without recording for about 20 minutes, 25 minutes, and we were talking about sh- shit that you don't want to hear about probably because you're not here to listen to it. But it, you can't ignore the pandemic, you can't ignore any of the stuff that's going on with COVID, and you can't ignore the fact that we are getting closer, you know, eight weeks away, like you, you mentioned when we were talking, eight weeks away from the NFL season, and especially as a, as a medical professional, I can't deny the fact that I am not as convinced that this NFL season is actually going to be pulled off. And so you and I were having a conversation about what does this look like? logistically what 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 is this going to actually be and why are the jaguars you know talking about 75% capacity when the eagles are saying we're going to have 0% capacity so maybe we'll touch on it in just a bit and maybe we'll, we'll I I think at the end I think I'll have a little bit of a uh, this last question I'll have for you you'll be able to touch on it but for now we'll dive into the football like you said we can talk football first quench everybody's thirst there and then and then we can go from there tell me a little bit about what what's the origin story of the yards created because you are sort of the the guru you are the yards created master how did that start what is yards created and why is it extremely useful for fantasy football players
1: yeah i uh, I started yards created um 20 I don't know, it' was 2015 2016 uh, it was five years ago this is my now my fifth year doing it and um, honestly it came the inspiration for it came from Matt Harmon's reception perception uh he does great work on you know whether or not you know how determining how wide receivers get open either you know against zone or against man and uh, i was reading all of that work and like man this would be really cool if we could do this for running backs and uh i i talked to matt 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 and i are uh, i'm pretty good friends with matt now um but back then i just like hit him up and i was like uh yo like how how if you're going to do this for running backs how would you do it and it, it kind of like um turned into a little bit more than that. I I think I started taking it just a little bit further, but the the inspiration was certainly from Harmon. And it was one of those things where it's like, you know, um, there are a lot of great running back stats out there, uh, especially now, um, five years later. But back in 2015, you know, I'd always read these college scouting reports it's like oh this running back is really good at creating yards on his own or oh this guy's really elusive but doesn't have much power and i i always like you know that's super valuable information but i'm the type of person that uh, i would much rather have data uh, to back my argument Um, i think it just makes your your arguments way more sound so i just set out uh, to start charting some games the director and of analytics at uh, I've kept football. it to just college football. Uh, so I only chart college running backs and I haven't really applied it to the NFL game. I tried to do it for a little while. And just, frankly, I really don't have the time in the summer to do it after spending like two to three months, just doing college guys in the fall, uh, in the spring. Right. Um, but I've kept it to college and, and basically it's, it's kind of turned into, you know, originally it was just charting what a running back does Uh, after the offensive line hasn't done or done its job that's yards created and then i also chart you know yards blocked um and i think it does a better job than yards after contact because that stat is kind of weird to me like if you just get touched behind the line of scrimmage just barely touched is that yards after contact like how are we charting that um so for me yards created just kind of was um you know uh, inspiration by you know harman for sure inspiration from uh uh, for just knowing that the industry needed, you know, someone to quantify some of the things that we see on the field in that way, and, and really just trying to improve on running back stats as a whole. Well, I think you did a pretty badass
0: job at it, if I do say so myself. There, are, uh, quite a bit, dude, so we were talking, again, we were talking before the show, and, um, one of my favorite things, like you were talking about, you know, I, I've been publishing this and I've been, but you sort of feel like you, you're you a little disconnected just for obvious reasons in the middle of fucking pandemic. But the stuff that I read from you and the stuff that I read from all the guys is like, I eat that shit up. Being a part, like for me, one of the benefits of being on staff is reading your stuff. So you, <laughs> you've done, you done, you guys do some pretty badass stuff. And I think that's uh, part of the reason that I think Fantasy Points is is honestly underpriced. And Joe and I uh, on an episode with Joe, we talked about how, uh, you know, basically subscriptions, in, in our opinion, is, is, are underpriced. And one of the big reasons why I feel that way is because of your yards created. It provides so much context, and I feel like that's what fantasy football is, right? It's, it's providing context to, spe- to, to statistics and being able to extrapolate those statistics out to try to project or predict Fantasy performances, and and you've done a pretty badass job at that. And the fact that you've sort of gone and and, and no pun intended, ran with this yards created <laughs> is 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 pretty badass. But on one on, on on the other end of that is like you said, no, you sort of alluded to it. No statistics is is perfect, right? Sort of like the the yards after contact is not perfect. You know, yards created isn't perfect. You'd, you'd be the first one to admit that. Obviously, um, as useful as it is who are some players who have graded out well in yards created in recent years but they just haven't panned out in terms of NFL and fantasy
1: yeah oh my god uh definitely yards created is not perfect um I mean one of the things that like I keep coming back to is like there's no way to divorce yards per carry and yards created and there's no way to divorce um offensive line play from yards created too I mean it's just such a you know, we're, football is such a subjective game by nature, and I think fantasy and the way a fantasy analysts in general view the game makes it less subjective. I think we're, by and large, a very objective group of people. Um, but, yeah, I mean, there's definitely been some guys that I have really liked or Yards Created has really liked that have not panned out. And the one that really pops into my head is Sony Michelle. Uh, And frankly, it comes down to injuries, dude. I mean, with him, it just simply was injuries. I think he's just been a totally different player. He's looked like a totally different player. Uh, He's been so much less elusive. I mean, uh, going back and looking through some of his data, I mean, Sony Michelle, you can go on the site right now, fantasypoints.com, hit the research tab, go to the Yards Created tool, and we have all of the data uh, from the last five years up on the site. So anyone with an account can access it. But if you go and look, Sonny Michel uh, was one, two, three, four. He was seventh uh, all-time in missed tackles, forced per, oh my uh, per God. rush. Seven? Yeah, I mean, he was super high in yards created per attempt, too. Like, top 10, top 12, somewhere up there. A little bit lower than that, actually. But he was still Off really Off the top good. of your head.
0: Sorry, I don't mean to interrupt you. Off yeah. the top of your head, do you remember what his yards – I know yards per carry. I mean, within the context, yards per
1: carry, I feel like, is relevant here. Do you remember his yards per carry in college? Yeah, he and Chubb were like so he and Chubb shared a backfield. They at one point in, in Georgia had um Chubb, Gurley, and uh Oh my god, isn't that nuts? It's crazy. Um and I mean now they've got even I mean they've got some good guys now too. But in his last year, I think he averaged like nearly eight yards per carry. Um oh I don't god. know off the top of my head, but I know I think it was it was about eight yards a carry. And that Georgia offensive line was was really sick. But Michelle and Chubb are like, even though their offensive line was really sick, like Michelle and Chubb were definitely um, really good prospects. And, you know, he hasn't panned out one more too is, is Darrell Henderson. Um, oh, yeah. He, he was a monster in yards created, but it, you know, it's, it's pretty easy to be a monster in yards created when you're, you know, uh, you, you are in the scheme that, that he was, I always knew there'd be a little bit of like a learning curve for him. Cause he just ran so much like gap and zone. And uh, the NFL is, you know, definitely different from the way Memphis ran their offense, but Uh, going, I, I rewatched all of his preseason carries and, you know, he's like 30 or so carries from the regular season. And he was a totally different player. He just looked lost. Um, like he just didn't know what to look for. Um, but by and large, and, and like I said, yards created is definitely not perfect, but, um, a lot of the guys at the top of yards created have been like the elite guys like Joe Mixon uh, is number one, Saquon Barkley is number four, Zeke was number five uh, Camara is way up there. Top eight, Christian McCaffrey's top 10. Like there's a lot of really good players. Kenyon Drake is number three all time in yards created per attempt in college. So it's definitely done a really good job. I think identifying some like underrated guys like Camara and, and Kareem Hunt and, uh, and, and Kenyon Drake were all relatively underrated, but they, they popped in yards created. And I think that's where the value is in it.
0: Yeah, I I definitely can see that. And a lot of times I view just me as, as like a, as a health professional, I view things in that lens, in that, and that, you know, that's my worldview is all my education that I just is just loads of student debt too, by the way, but I view, I can only in- <laughs> imagine. Oh my <laughs> but God. View- you've got to be swimming, dude. Oh man. It's like, it's a swimming pool full, full of <laughs> debt. Um, but the way that I view things is obviously based off of that. And when I think about a, something like yards created, I view it as like a, in, in, in physical therapy, for example, or even in medicine in general, you have tests, you have tests and measures, right? So like a test that's sensitive, it helps to rule a condition out. And so if you test negative for this specific test with high sensitivity, that means that the chances of you having that test or having that whatever condition is really, really low. And so I feel like I view yards per carry, or I'm sorry, yards created as if you are not, you know, in however much top percentile of yards created, okay, chances are along with all the other, context given, you know, all the other information and data available, you're probably not going to be, you know, at this elite level of a running back. And I feel like it helps to, like you said, it helps to weed, you know, at least count for account for players who are maybe a little underrated, but it also helps to weed out the players that you might be on the fence about.
1: Yeah, so that's great. I think that's a great way to put it. I, I love how you put that.
0: So other than so, sort of on the same topic, then what would you say? What type of statistic, what statistic or specific philosophy do you think complements yards created uh, the best? I mean, seeing as that you work with this every day, what do you think is an, another another aspect that that helps you sort of help weed out
1: weed out or weed in those players? Um, yeah, from like a college perspective, I think. Um, one of the things I've really tried to incorporate into like some of my analysis and just my general, like, you know, my articles for yards created is usage, uh, for college players. Cause sometimes these programs get weird with their running backs, right? Uh, like, you know, you'll have, you know, your JK Dobbins who play almost every snap and, and, you know, have a a massive workload and they produce on that workload against good competition. But I think one of the things I've really tried to at least, um, um, research and understand a little bit better over the last couple of years is just how predictive college production is um, because it does seem like there's a, there's a really strong and people way smarter than me have, have shown this. There's definitely correlation between college production and uh, future fantasy production in, in the NFL, like 100%. Uh, and a lot of that has to do with draft capital at running back. I mean, a lot of the first couple round picks are usually, they usually get the first chances at starting jobs. And even if they stink, the teams have like a sunk cost in them, and they just keep giving them the ball because they felt like you know they spent a first-round pick on this guy, <clears throat> Leonard Fournette, um, and, and yeah, they, they keep uh, uh, they keep giving them the ball. But no, I, I think one of the things I've really tried to do is, is try to incorporate usage, incorporate how players are are used in the scheme that they're used in, um, because it's so important. I mean, every team in college football does things a little differently. And um, just by the nature of the way the field is set up, I mean, the hash marks are wider uh, than the NFL. The game looks differently. Uh, you can just do different things in terms of spacing, in terms of motion. In college football, um, a lot of teams are now like 100% shotgun. The NFL, you don't have that. You don't have a team that is 100% on a shotgun. So long-winded answer, but I think it's, it's one of those things where I just really try to um, incorporate every little bit of like context, uh, that I can, and there's no perfect way of doing that. And you're, you're still going to miss. But, um, for me, it's just, you know, I think usage matters and the way players are used, especially at running back. I think the way they're used in college. And, uh, I think it matters.
0: Dude, I think it all matters. And I think what I just heard you say basically is you apply common sense. I think a lot of times fantasy players are, especially, you know, I, I view this and this is me again, as an outsider. So this isn't necessarily meant to be like judgmental I don't do, you know, top tier, top level, actual fantasy football, you know, nose to the grindstone NFL analysis. I don't look into the statistics. I mean, I look at the injuries, right? That's what I do. And so as an outsider who views somebody like you compared to maybe somebody up and coming, is that a lot of times they get caught up in, in the weeds and a lot of these, a lot of these things and they, and they zoom in and they're just looking at it too closely. And it sounds like what you're telling me is that your common sense really leads you to being able to apply more of a broad brush and being able to apply as, like you said, the most context as possible. And a lot of that comes down to common sense, which to me makes, makes the most sense, which is why you're so good at what you do.
1: Yeah. I, I noticed that too. You know, um, not, I'm not pointing out any new up-and-comers or any one individual, any one individual. But I think there's a certain sense of like, you know, we are only talking about 200 players, and you know, you want to be somewhat original. So people really dig into the weeds now uh, and get into stuff that you know it's interesting. But is it really helping you project players? Is it really helping you score more fantasy points? And like, um I see I'm you, ju- did there. you did there. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sly. I'm, I'm sly at one. I, I get my drops in when I can. I like but, it. I like it. Um, but no, I'm writing this article right now. That's going to be up on the site uh, on fantasy points tomorrow or uh, whenever it'll be Wednesday, uh, July, uh, whatever it is, 15th. I can't even keep track of days anymore. But, uh, <laughs> uh, I'm doing this <laughs> article. that. Brain, yeah, I'm doing this thing for it's like a best ball notebook on running backs. And it just I, I start out the article talking about like what stats actually correlate to fantasy points. And by going through it, uh, it was a cool study to do for me because I, I did this a couple of years ago, but I just kind of refreshed some of the data and uh, like snaps and literally snaps and routes run are the number one and number two things that correlate to fantasy points. If you look at the efficiency metrics, like yards after contact, or even just a simple one, like fantasy points per touch, like by and large, if you're using those statistics to, to create your projections, or even as like a, a you know, baseline in your projections, you're, you're doing it all wrong like uh, in fantasy football and and drafting running backs in particular in fantasy football. I mean, I can do all the yards created stuff I want for NFL, but like if you're not going to get the ball and you're not going to see the field, you're not (laughs) going to score fantasy points. And uh, that's the problem with Darrell (laughs) Henderson.
0: Absolutely. That's exactly right. That's exactly right. That's beautiful, man. I'm, I'm excited for that article to come out, by the way. I've, I've been, I've been, uh, looming in the, uh, I've been creeping in the group chat, looking at your, at that notebook article that you were talking about. I'm waiting for it to come out so I can read it. Honestly, like half the reason I even want to be on staff anymore at this point is just to read all your guys' stuff. So that's why that's I'm there for <laughs> yeah.
1: I write an article every now and then, make you think I'm doing work, but really I'm just reading your stuff. Well, dude, your injury don't don't sell yourself short, man, because your injury analysis has been awesome. Your article on uh on Evan Ingram, not only did it confirm my priors, but it was it was a it was literally a perfect article. So don't sell yourself short whatsoever.
0: No, oh, well, I appreciate that, man. That that means a lot to me. That means a lot to me. Now I'm gonna make you do something next, though, that you're probably not that you're not a fan of. You probably already looked at it. I sent, I sent the script to you. You have a yards created for all these guys that I'm about to list, and I want you to rank them and you are going to rank them, and you're going to be held and pigeon-held for the rest of the season, for the rest of the 2020 season <laughs> to you, these rankings that you're about to give. I don't d- doesn't really matter what happens in the, in the future. Even if you gain new information, I don't want to hear it. <laughs> CH, J-K, or, uh, Jonathan Taylor, J.K. Domitz, Cam, Cam Akers, DeAndre Swift, Keyshawn Vaughn, Anthony McFarland, Zach
1: Moss. Can you yes. rank them for me? Yes, I can. Uh, even though, yeah, I mean, that's that's the beautiful thing about fantasy, right? It's like... Uh, even with new information, we do get to change our minds, but I guess since I'm being held to it here, I've got to yeah, be yeah, like, you're being no,
0: no, no, You don't yeah. get to be, you don't, there's, there's no nuance here. There's nope, definitely nope. a
1: lot of pressure for this. <laughs> uh, no, but I, uh, I've been riding with, so let me back up. I, I went into this whole process, this whole draft with Jonathan Taylor at RB one. I was like, uh, not only is he a sicko and yards created, not only did he have like just amazing, um, Uh, age adjusted to production. Not only was he a workhorse, not only did he blow up the combine, like I just felt like he was a stone cold block for RB1. And I was pretty convinced that I was not going to move off that. But then Clyde Edwards-Alaire became a first round pick and went to the Chiefs. So he is my RB1. Uh, I had Edwards-Alaire, I think at RB3 or RB4. I had like, I just couldn't make up my mind after Taylor. Like I had Dobbins at two. Then one day I'd put Edwards-Alaire at two. Then I'd put Swift at two. And I just really, after Taylor at one, before the draft, uh, I just couldn't make up my mind. But I, I let draft capital and uh, where, team, where, where players go in, in terms of their team, I let that sway a lot of my process because I don't know. I, I just go into almost every fantasy equation thinking I know less than I think I do. Uh, and I think, I think it served me well. And like With Clyde Edwards-Alaire, even though he wasn't in my top two or really in my top three, for the most part, um, he went to just the absolute perfect situation and like long-term, uh, his ceiling is so high. So I've got Edwards Alaire at one. I have Taylor at two, uh, because he's my guy. He was my guy going into this and he went, he landed in a pretty, pretty damn good spot himself long-term. I mean, it would not shock me if Jonathan Taylor had a more productive career than, an Edwards Alaire. I just, uh, I just want to attach myself to as much Patrick Mahomes as I can get. So I've got Taylor at two Dobbins at three, and then I have a massive uh, teardrop. Like I think it's a massive teardrop from Dobbins to acres and swift. So I've got acres at four swift at five. And then from there, I've got another pretty big teardrop, but one guy I was pretty low on coming into this process. Edwin, was, was Zach Moss. Uh, I just kind of thought he, you know, he's one of those guys where he like gets what's blocked and he, he has a very good understanding of, you know, blocking schemes and where holes are going to be, but he just, doesn't have the physical ability of J.K. Dobbins, or frankly, sometimes even Keyshawn Vaughn. But he landed in this spot here in Buffalo where like he's the better pass catcher than Devin Singletary. He's a better pass protector than Devin Singletary. He created more yards than Devin Singletary in college. I, I really like Zach Moss, and I think he's a really nice like bet on a randomness pick. Uh, then I've got Anthony McFarland at seven, and this is strictly just betting on yards created. I have no idea... Whether or not Anthony McFarland's actually going to even get on the field this year, right? Uh, especially I he might, but go ahead. Yeah, I think he might too. Um, I think he might just as a pass catcher. Uh, I have no idea if he's going to get on the field this year, just because he's a rookie. He's a fourth round rookie. He's going to have to compete with Benny Snell, yada yada yada, for snaps. But I mean, he really popped in yards created. I mean, he's sixth all time in yards created per attempt. He led this class in yards created. 10th and his missed tackle force numbers were pretty strong too. Um, he was like right behind like Cam Akers and J.K. Dobbins and missed tackles forced. And you know, he was never a workhorse at Maryland. He he split carries, but um, I, I really liked not only just like anecdotally, like from the data, his data was really good, but just anecdotally, like as a player watching him, I, I think he has a real chance and he landed obviously in a really nice spot with the Steelers. So I've got McFarland at seven, and then basically, I think the class kind of drops off. I I didn't get to do. Um, excuse me, I completely skipped over Keyshawn Vaughn. I've got McFarland at eight, Keyshawn Vaughn at seven. No, I I completely screw this up. I really hope you're actually not holding this
0: against me because if you are, <laughs> that's all right. You're making it hard on me so that I can't hold it against you. Like so we are. I see uh, what you're doing
1: there, man. I skipped over Keyshawn Vaughn twice. He's at six. Moss is at seven. Uh, and then McFarland today, eight. And then you got the teardrop and you go to like the Antonio Gibson's and Lynn Bowden's and all those guys.
0: Wow, man, that was beautiful. So one of the things that I wanted to ask you specifically is like, and I know this is, this isn't necessarily in the script, but when you talk about, you know, Keyshawn Vaughn specifically, what do you see there? Because I think at one point we mentioned Rojo in the group chat or something. Um, and and you, I don't even remember what what the conversation, or the context of the conversation was was about. But what what are your general thoughts on Keyshawn Vaughn?
1: Yeah, I mean, so I I thought Vaughn um, before he landed in Tampa Bay, which is obviously short term, a very good spot um, in, in theory. Uh, I thought Vaughn was basically like, I thought Tevin Coleman was like kind of his range of outcomes. Like he was, he could be a featured guy. Uh, he had a lot of straight line speed. He attacks downhill like he's a very attacking runner, um, and he actually finished second in this class in yards created per attempt. But he was really inconsistent. Um, he he only created five or more yards on like twenty percent of his carries, something like that, which is really low. Uh, and he does not have a lot of like wiggle. Um, he's definitely not elusive. But in the NFL, there's a, there's space for guys that run really fast and can attack downhill and are violent runners and in a zone scheme, which is what Tampa runs. And I think they're going to run a lot more zone. Like he's a perfect fit. Uh, Ronald Jones looked a lot better, a lot better in 2019. I've never been a big Rojo fan. He was not good in yards created. He was really bad in pass protection, really bad as a receiver coming out of at a USC. And I just generally thought he's always been overhyped and, and over uh, drafted. but, Last year he was definitely better, and he really showed it on the field. Now he's just got way more competition, and I think Keyshawn Vaughn, uh, just one versus one, was is a better prospect uh, than than Rojo coming out. And f- for that reason, I've found myself, um, you know, I'm not really super invested in rookies this year for for obvious reasons. But um, I think Vaughn is is getting cheaper to a point now where, in like season long and redraft leagues, he's becoming a target of mine. But uh, then I come back to the fact that it's going to be really hard for you know rookies that aren't you know super draft capital guys like Clyde edwards alaire and Taylor, and even some of the rookie wide receivers like Rager. They're going to have more of a chance than someone who's drafted in the third round. And I've kind of come back off Vaughn, but um, I think in a normal year he would be uh, hyped way more. That's awesome. I, I I agree with that too. Um, I think
0: there's he's so I feel like Keyshawn Vaughn is so. Um, the Keyshawn Vaughn and Rojo thing is like such a weird debate because <laughs> at the end of the day, you're basically saying like, who do you think going to get the most work, but really hasn't popped and really isn't, you know, that it's not like there. I don't, I don't, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong. You don't think that
1: Keyshawn Vaughn could be like a league winner type guy. No. do you? I mean, correct no. me if I'm wrong. No, okay, I, okay. And, and for him to be a league winner, he would have to just completely blow out Ronald Jones and Ugun Ugunbowale would probably never have to play a snap because I think they're going to use him in some passing downs. But but yeah, I don't think Vaughn is a league winner. I just think he, he's gotten to a point now where it's like, he's kind of interesting. I drafted him in the Scott Fishbowl in like the 10th round, uh, which was really nice. I was not expecting that. He wasn't a, a target of mine. But I guess he's just gotten to a point now where he's like, it's kind of like worth the shot. You know what I mean?
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. That makes sense. That makes complete sense. And I think you worded it really, really interestingly too. Like I think that's the best way to put it is like he's kind of interesting, right? (laughs) He's like he's kind of intriguing. Like we might take him if he falls and if he doesn't, then I'm not that beat up about it. That's perfect. Thanks, man. Okay. So then what I want you to do next too and just sort of after we can back off of the specifics here, Uh, make a case for the number one guy without mentioning the number two guy that you just gave. (laughs) So...
1: Clyde Edwards-Alaire is, um, man, like pretty easily the best route runner I have ever seen on film, not named Christian McCaffrey coming out of college. Ooh,
0: high praise, high praise. Yeah,
1: I, I mean, he, look, Joe Burrow is awesome. Uh, and the scheme that Joe Brady ran at LSU was awesome. But I, I, there were just so many throws where Edwards-Alaire would run like an angle route or he'd run just a simple flat route. And his first step or his first three steps he's just constantly creating separation or he's just so uh, bouncy in his moves that he's just always getting around defenders or putting himself in a position where he's open to get the ball. And in this offense for the Chiefs, dude, he's going to get single coverage against linebackers that just have no chance, like literally no chance to cover <laughs> right, him. Right, right, right. I just don't know how you're going to you're going to deal with Tyreek out wide, Miko's speed. You're going to deal with Kelsey out of the slot. And then, oh, by the way, you've got to deal... With Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, who Andy Reid, who knows, I mean, free like a hundred thousand more about football than I do, called him (laughs) called him Brian the new Brian Westbrook. I mean, he did. He literally did. So this is the earliest Andy Reid has ever drafted a running back since he took LaShawn McCoy at fifty-three overall. And Andy Reid, I I view Andy Reid as like maybe the best evaluator of running back talent. The dude drafted Kareem Hunt, um, who yards created. Loved. I mean, he was really popped. Hunt really popped in yards created, and and I was really excited about him. And then he went to the Chiefs, and Spencer Ware got hurt. He got his opportunity, and he he went nuts for two years. Yeah. Uh, and now people are like, "Oh, Damian Williams is going to uh, he's going to eviscerate Clyde edwards Alaire. Why would you spend a second round pick on it?" It's like, uh, I mean, I don't know. I want the guy that's going to get 180 carries and 80 targets and the best offense in the league, and has a chance at 10 touchdowns. Like, why why wouldn't I, I want that guy?
0: Andy Reed is like the most underrated. I think like he's, I think people still think Andy Reed's good. I'm not saying that people like are saying Andy Reid's bad at what he does, but I think in terms of like one of the brightest offensive minds, no doubt Andy Reed is so underrated. Like Sean McVay came around, right. And he was like the new shiny object. But I was, I remember like in 2018 looking around going like, do you, do you, does anybody remember Andy Reed? Like, look at, look what the dude's doing right now. Like, I, with Alex so,
1: Smith. So I'll go back even way further. Uh, Andy Reid is maybe the most innovative offensive mind in modern NFL history. His offenses, like, back in, like, 07 were seriously so progressive. They were He was more pass-heavy than anybody else. Uh, he was running out of shotgun when teams were constantly running with the ball under center. We know that's less efficient. It's way more efficient to run the ball out of shotgun. By and large, it's way more efficient. I mean Andy Reid has been on the uh, he's always been in my mind uh an innovator and now he's got the most physically gifted quarterback to ever enter the NFL. It's just not oh fair. Oh gosh. That's it's funny. just not fair.
0: And you got that Patrick Mahomes got that 10-year deal now and he
1: might get a Whataburger in Kansas City, man. I just Dude, left Kansas City. He could buy the he could buy the Washington team, couldn't he? Like he could he could find a way to to, to buy the Washington team from me and
0: and 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 he's still <laughs> fucking underpaid, dude. Like that's an un, like it's insane. It's just it's well, just that's the pain.
1: that's the craziest bit about the Mahomes deal, right? We could be looking at this in like 2025 and be like, oh my god, the Chiefs got to steal. You know, they're yeah, they're they're now celebrating their third Super Bowl. Like <laughs> and he's only 20, and Mahomes will be like 28 in 2025, 29, something like that. I mean, he'll be crushing. It's, that's it's what good... that's what drives me nuts about like
0: professional sports. First of all, when people side with the billionaire over the millionaire, like that drives me nuts. Like, Thank how you. far does the gap have to be between you and a person for you to like side with a billionaire? That doesn't make sense to me. But like the idea, like overall, and I'm not like some fucking. I'm not an economist or anything like that. But the like think about LeBron James, right? That's where Patrick. That's a trajectory Patrick Mahomes yes. is on from an NFL perspective. The economy. That LeBron James facilitated when he was in Cleveland, and even now in L.A., like the econ, just the general money in because of LeBron James is the cap on that and the ceiling on that is not even tangible and like the 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 absolute like magnitude that patrick mahomes provides to kansas city who by the way i lived there for eight years it does it's there's not a lot to do in kansas city like there are some cool things but like there's nothing else like you watch the chiefs on sunday and like you go to like the one brewery that they have but like other than that you go, to, you go watch Patrick Mahomes play football on Sunday, and like the just the amount of money that comes into the Chiefs because of Patrick Mahomes yeah. and because of that offense in general that Andy Reid's built, it's just that's that's he's underpaid. And I,
1: I just went on like a random tangent no, about that, but you're one hundred percent right. And I think when the deal came out, people were all speculating like, is he gonna? Is this thing gonna be tied to the salary cap? Does he have like a share of ownership? Like, how's this gonna work? And I still agree with you. Uh, he's underpaid. Did you ever? Uh, did you ever go to Arrowhead at all? Yeah, went to Arrowhead a couple times over the last couple of years. Um, the first
0: time was when uh, it was Lamar's rookie year. And then we went again just last year. Oh, God, what game did we go to? Jeez, uh, why can't I remember? god i had a i had had a few drinks graham i don't remember which How game we went you. to in 19 <laughs> uh, I'll, th- I'll think of it at some point but yeah arrowhead i mean arrowhead is is dude it's it's badass let's right. be we were like even in the nose days and god. it was still badass. if experience. i went
1: to a game at arrowhead i'd be so tuned up i wouldn't remember it either so <laughs> there's no sweat on that <laughs> but it's just returned yeah it just seems like such a like the fans and like like you said the chiefs fans are just in general i think chiefs fans are like some of the sharpest um like i Encounter on Twitter, like uh, I don't know why, but they just seem—I don't know—they just seem like a uh, pretty rational for the most part. Their fan base and most fan bases aren't, but uh, anyway, I've always wanted to go to a game at Arrowhead, and it just seems like such a cool environment. Yeah, those fans fall from 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 the Andy Reid tree, right? Yeah, people joke about I mean, also also if trees. I had Patrick Mahomes on my favorite team, I'd be gloating too and be happy all the time. Too, yeah,
0: so. you're just like stoked all the time. Like, yeah, we locked him up for ten years. <laughs> All right, man, I appreciate you. you've gone off script so much. I I'll I'll take away a few of these questions, but I did want to ask you one more before I let you get out of here. All right, on the injury prone pod, we hand out parting band-aids of advice. It can be band, you know, band aids of advice to help heal the fantasy industry or just the country at large, the world at large. Now, you play a pretty important part in the fantasy industry. You've got a voice, and I wouldn't undersell yourself as being a person who can. Who can spark some change especially after the conversation i mean this is our first conversation we've had on the phone you're literally one of the sharpest guys and i could have guessed it outside of fantasy too you have some some pretty pretty reasonable rational thoughts um and i really appreciated the conversation we had before so don't sell yourself short on any type of band aid of of advice you want to give man
1: yeah um look people uh can view this as political it's not uh it's a common sense thing it's apolitical absolutely not Because I know we're about to say, sorry. (laughs) Please wear a mask. Like, just wear a mask. And it's not, it's, just take a moment within your day and ask yourself, like, why you should do it. And if your first reason is, it's not for others, it's for me, then you've got it all wrong. If you want to have football this fall, if you want to be able to go out and get a beer with your buddies, if you want to be able to go out and see a movie again, if you want to be able to go out and get a piece of pizza, Please wear a mask. Um, it's, this, is, <laughs> this isn't a political issue. It's just a matter of, at this point, it's a matter of human decency. It's a matter of uh, what we should be doing and what we should have been doing all along. And we've made a lot of mistakes uh, along the way the past five, six months here. Um, they, are, uh, they are what they are. They're dead in the ground, but we can still learn from our mistakes. Um, and if you want to see football, um, I feel like, you know, I sometimes feel like at Twitter is an echo chamber. I feel like we just constantly are living in an echo chamber and people are just entrenched in their views. Um, but genuinely, um, if you want to see football this fall and you want to start seeing a little bit of a change in uh, the way our numbers are looking in this country, by and large, you, you got to start wearing a mask. And if you haven't been convinced yet, um, use football, <laughs> use football as your motivation because um, it's, it, it's, 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 i I don't want to put a probability on it but it's right now we're at a point where i i i don't know uh if we'll see a normal schedule this year so um if you're not doing it for yourself you're not doing it for others do it for football because we all love it we all depend on it and honestly man like after this whole year and i know everybody probably feels the same way after this whole year it just feels like we need something good and um you know sports are that sports are something good it's something that we all love we all enjoy we all um we all look forward to um and i obviously have a major interest in this uh, as uh, owner of a company that that is a fantasy football advice site i've been so fortunate in my career and long term i'm still like so excited and so bullish on fantasy as a whole um but that still doesn't take away from the fact and the facts are the facts uh, this year is going to be pretty tough. And, um, if, if you want to see football, you, you gotta, we gotta start doing some right things and we still have time. We still have, uh, you know, the rest of the summer and the fall to, to, to really try to, uh, we'll never, we will never be able to, to, to stop the spread. Uh, at this point, it's just run amok. And we're not at that point anymore. We could have done it earlier, but we didn't, but we got to move on from that, we can slow it down. And the, the main thing that you can do as an individual right now to slow it down is wear a mask. That's all you got to do. And frankly, it only takes shit ten minutes. If you're going into a store, if you're going to a gas station, uh, it, it takes ten minutes. And once you get back in your car, you get back home, you can take it off. That's that's all, all you got to do. Um, and it's I promise you, it's not that bad.
0: Awesome, man. That's as, as the husband of a pharmacist, as a physical therapist, as, as a person who has a little bit of information i'm not an epidemiologist i'm i'm not a scientist by any means i have enough understanding of this stuff to 100 percent endorse everything graham just said uh, you you heard it here first none of none of what graham and i just talked about for 35 minutes none of it matters if we yeah. don't mitigate this none yeah. of it matters it, it's it's all for nothing uh you're listening to this for nothing uh, we do all this analysis for nothing graham's work goes completely down the drain in 2020 for nothing and whether you believe that you play a major cog in this or not doesn't matter because you play you play some sort of role in mitigating this risk and this is again like Graham said in the beginning this is apolitical this has nothing to do with whether you're blue whether you're red it's it's not it's and unfortunately it's become politicized and we're to the point where this is we're arguing semantics. A lot of a lot of times, people argue: well, is it eighty percent capacity? Is it ninety percent capacity? Well, where did you get those numbers from? The point is that the numbers in the hospitalizations are high, and we still need to serve people who are going who needed medical care before COVID existed in the first place.
1: Yeah.
0: If if we can med- mitigate the amount of COVID-related hospitalizations, and if we can mitigate the amount of deaths, because I promise you that little number that you're citing, the whatever two one percent that die from COVID, I promise you, if you, if one of those people is in your family, is in your circle, then you're going to feel like it's a lot bigger than 1%. Yeah. So that's a little bit of heavy to, to end there, but it's reality. It's something that I wanted to touch on that Graham had just brilliant words, um, brilliant words to, to wrap it up here, but it needs to be addressed. It needed to be said. And I mean, if I'm going to be a, a medical analyst, it's going to be part <laughs> of what I needed to include in the vernacular to begin with. So
1: um, you have anything else, Graham? That was great. No, that's it. Um, yeah, that's it. Just uh, try to wear a mask. Think of yourself a little bit less and uh, we'll all be better for it as a society.
0: Absolutely. So you can catch Graham at Graham Barfield on Twitter, go to fantasy check out his best ball notebook for quarterbacks. That's been published on the site. If you're a subscriber, uh, wear a damn mask and subscribe to the show. And if I scared you off, if we scared you off, then that's okay. Wear a damn mask.